All right, if you'll turn in your bulletin um, to the scripture reading. We are going to be reading from Matthew 21, verses 12 through 17. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, Have you never read, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, just another word about our children. Um, Every first Sunday of the month, we're going to have the kids come up here and be prayed for. And we thank you again, Charlie. One of the things um, that... Um, we see in a number of families here at Christ Central is adoption. And we praise God that um, the Lord has added to this number as well as individual family numbers through people adopting. As she mentioned, um, Stuart um, is, uh, is little Stuart um, is on the way, and we're praying that everything goes well for him to be a part of this family coming out of South Carolina. And uh, the Watts have been, this has been going on for a while, and we praise God that it's finally happened. At this church, we also have a fund for adoption as well. And um, just keep an eye out for that if you want to give to that, because um, there's some uh, serious cost to it. And we want to be able to help children have homes and families to have children. So we praise God for that. In fact, the Lord describes our relationship with him as those who've been adopted to be his children, that we're no longer orphans, but we're now the people and children of God. So we continue in our Christ Central Church vision sermon series in the area of worship. Um, As we think about worship here at Christ Central, it is our hope and work to be a church as described in our documents and on our website with an authentic worship, an authentic worship of God. And our church's name hopefully tells it all. We believe worship can only be authentic when Jesus is at the center of it. Needless to say, when we think about what went on in the passage that was just read, that Jesus had and has a divinely extreme take on worship. In the Gospel of John's account of this occurrence, it says that Jesus had a zeal for the house of the Lord. In other words, Jesus is touchy. He's obsessive. He's sensitive, a little upright and downright serious about how things were being done in his father's house of worship. Personally, as a pastor, who I I can describe myself as sort of a branch manager of God's church, I would not want Jesus walking up here bodily on Sunday morning because the brother, that's big brother almighty, is unpredictable. 
and always right and righteous, seeing that the church is his franchise and all, with his name all over and everything, all right reserved with the C, with the circle around it. And so I am just glad that he already acted up in worship service 2,000 years ago or so in Jerusalem. And the drama has been captured in the biblical version of YouTube. So we can go back over and over to learn something. But anyway, this is what happens. Jesus comes to the temple, the Jewish church of the day, and they had an architectural religious caste system thing going on at the temple with the inner courts and the outer courts. And at that time, the way they did things, only healthy Jewish men were allowed or could go within, with confidence to the inner courts, all close to God, while the women had to be in the lower part of that court and with them the children. And then in the outer courts was where the non-Jews and the crippled and the poor Folk without sacrifices to bring would be allowed or rather where it would be most acceptable for them to pray. So I want you to imagine six flags or, or carowinds right where all the gates where you have to pay and then get your, you know, wristband. And, and right after you enter the gate, all of these vendors with everything you need or forgot to enjoy the park, the strollers, the hats, the sunglasses, the flip-flops, for those who forgot their cameras and camera people and the lockers to hold your stuff that you forgot to leave in the car. Well, at the temple, same thing, almost. You could buy your sacrifices right there instead of having to carry it up to the temple. Lambs and doves and grain, whatever level you needed to participate in the worship service. And, and then, of course, you had to exchange your money for their money to buy all the stuff you needed, like getting Carowinds money or, or Disney coins, you know. But the Bible appears to be showing us that they were all doing this in the outer courts era. And they were making that money in the place where the outsiders or those who were not good enough to be insiders were most comfortably called and allowed to worship. But, but apparently they couldn't even worship there because of a lack of space, because of the vendors, or, or because of what the vendors were wrongly communicating about worshiping God. Simply. It was all the wrong impression and message about worship. So Jesus goes buck wild up in there, turning over tables and probably opening cages and letting doves go free and stuff. And in John's account, which happened at a different time, because apparently Jesus did this more than once, in John's gospel, Jesus takes time to weave a whip to whip folks with. Whipping folks, he, he's, he's big daddy, right? Whipping folks, turning people's money over, messing up community development and, and godly business, complete with the picture of that fish in the ad. I mean, who does Jesus think he is? Well, the religious leaders wondered and asked the same thing. And the answer to that question revealed by his actions that day shapes and calls us to an authentic worship. We see a Jesus who calls everyone to worship the Lord. And who calls everyone to worship the Lord only. And who calls everyone to worship him. The temple and Jesus' ministry is about calling everyone to a must in everyone's life. To worship the Lord. Which makes sense of his quote in verse 13. 
of the Old Testament book of Isaiah where God calls, talks about the fact that his temple is a place that all people should and be able to come, not just Jews. The prophet Isaiah and now Jesus welcoming people into the temple and seeking to make place for them in the temple based on the foundational basic to being a human reality that all are called and should worship the Lord. Which means just like the song we sometimes sing, all creatures of our God and King. Oh, praise him. Jesus even alludes to it in part in verse 16. Look with me there. And they said to him, do you hear what these young people, these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, babies you have prepared praise When he talks about the nursing babies, that's babies on mama's breasts. We're ordained to give praise, called and designed by God in the womb that you and I were at birth. No, no, at conception, while in the womb, designed to come out and go goo-goo and gaga and praise the God that each one of us were created and called to give him praise and thus be called to God to worship. It's sure As we breathe and eat and sleep, we must worship. And not just alone, but according to the scriptures and the temple, people must worship the Lord together with and as the people of God that we were and everyone was made and created to praise him, to enter into worship. And to not make place or space for that to happen for all people who have come to worship in some way or another is an affront to the temple and the God who is in it. Understand that all this selling and exchanging happening in the, in, in the courts where non-Jews and yet to be, be believers were most comfortably allowed to pray was upsetting Jesus Jesus is upset that the way they're running things at the temple is not welcoming and calling to a world to do what it must, if they will, to worship. And so we see Jesus clearing the way physically, but also mentally by by preaching outside outside the, the inner courts. He's making a way and space for people who have been called from all over the world to worship the Lord. And so he today has made a way, a space, an avenue for all people to worship by creating church and is calling us, his church, to be a church, a temple, a service, a doorway, a day of worship, a place to gather, a way and place to hear the call, Sabbath, set apart time and day to give a divine call to all people. So church planting and stuff like church planting and Worship sites and, and going to other parts of the city to, to, to set up churches that, that are in places that are not comfortable for, for the people that, whose churches are getting rich over is, is, is part of what we do. We take our riches as churches. We take our lack of comfortability as churches and we go to other places where there may not be as much access to the Lord. Sometimes it puts in perspective a new Christian school building over helping a church get started or a soccer field or a church gym or a football stadium with the newest and best astroturf that a good Christian church could ever buy. 
because somebody wants their name on it because they gave the money to it. Not that any of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But they should not get in the way of giving so that other churches and missions can be started to open the way for many more people to worship and worship the Lord well. At the temple that day, like our own churches today, without a doubt, there's a lot of worship going on. Like I said, it is in our DNA. And the temple then and the church now is a good place to worship, but Jesus puts a qualifier on worship. He calls us that we might be sure to worship the Lord and not anything or anyone else. Authentic worship is about being free to worship the Lord, the God of the Bible. But some other things were going on, and Jesus had to call them back to worship of the Lord alone. And some of you know this, but but the word worship actually means worth-ip. In other words, worshiping is the exercise of giving worth where worth is due and getting worth from what is truly valuable. And so worship of the Lord is about focusing your attention on and draw on God's worth to, to recalibrate and regulate your lives according to his worth. And so when Jesus enters the temple, that day a lot of worth is being given to what shouldn't. More worth apparently was being given to, to making money off the purchase of sacrifices. And some believe that there had to be a little markup on a money exchange for the, for the temple coins, right? And, and what was being sold for worship so that there could be a profit. And then the way the temple was segregated. What a mess! Non-Jews injured, lame and poor on the outside. Women and children in lower courts. So-called acceptable Jewish men. Front row, upper, inner courts. And then behind of all of that, there was too much praise and honor and authority being given to the chief priests and elders, the pastors and church leaders of that day who controlled this whole thing from their bottom line and top billing in society. Jesus saw it. People weren't being called to give worth to God. At least on the surface. And people weren't getting their sense of worth from God. But by what they could buy and make and contribute and valued according to their economic standing and gender and titles and social standing and what they could get from each other. And Jesus calling people to worship the Lord. And I don't have to go too deep into this because so much has been exposed recently in our present day churches, but there is so much pastoral, pastoral hero worship going on. There are ministries of the church Named after pastors. What happened? What happened to Jesus' name? Not good enough? Maybe not recognizable enough? That the worship is about coming and seeing pastor because he or she is so awesome or, or to see how cool the music is or to hear about how you can be rich or happy. You ain't going to hear that here. We, it ain't no rich in happiness. I can't promise you that. Joy and peace. Yeah. Rich and happy. Maybe after we're after the resurrection, okay? Streets of gold. Or to come to where the children's ministry gives us all that we need. The puppet show and everything and want. Not that I'm against it. But we're going for that more than we're going for Jesus. 
Or come to where all the network potential is because anyone who's anyone goes to this or that church. Or being called to fulfill and walk in your Charlotte elite heritage and follow the family name. Or is it called to show off your clothes? Or for people in my position, a pastor, to get as many people as possible so you can get paid. Or, or you come because your wife made you. Or you're trying to act like a good guy for that girl you like. Or because mama made you. And Jesus apparently, no, Jesus wants to take that out of us. And turn that over in us and refocus our attention and sharpen our attention to why we do what we do. Even if it was a good way to serve people who had to travel far to get sacrificed and be willing to exchange their money so they can serve the Lord at the temple or give some of that exchange money to those begging. And maybe it was. And it's good to have church leaders whom you respect. But understand. That authentic worship is about all of that stuff being refocused and checked as it should in Jesus leading us to give God worth help. Jesus says it this way in verse 13, if you look back with me. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And in the Mark passage, he says the temple is his father's house. In other words, authentic worship is about recognizing that this is God's house. Yes, the neighborhood theater on Saturday, but right now this is God's house. He is the Don. He's the main attraction. He's the show. It's a party because he is there. He is the daddy. Jesus' authenticated worship turns over our tables and knocks and drives out all that we have brought in and on us that gets in the way of God alone be praised. Worship is a snap, a jolt, a wake-up call to our hearts and lives. Hey, if you didn't know, you better recognize who and what is being. this thing is about both church leaders and visitors. This is a wake-up call to worship the Lord of the Bible. But there's something else about giving worth that I want you to see here. Look with me again at verse 13. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to him, yes, you have never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes. You have prepared praise. By turning over the money table stuff and then healing the lame and blind and then welcoming and encouraging the praise of children, Jesus is saying that authentic worship is not a call to earn or buy or deserve or be socially or gender specifically or lifestyle politically correct enough or rich enough or able enough or good enough to worship God. In fact, the call to worship according to Jesus' actions and words that day is a call to not only give God worth, but to get God's worth. That worship theologically according to Jesus is a call to those who can't buy God's favor because they have squandered it or can't be good enough because they have lived too unworthily. For those who can't see or walk in confidence before God because their lives are so broken by circumstance that they may think God has it out against them and are unsure of his love or whether they have done something so wrong that God hates or rejects them. Those are the people Jesus are calling to worship. 
Authentic worship is, is to those who are marginalized and, and are marginal in their worlds by prejudice and oppression who don't have their inner confidence that the God, the king of all things, would invite them in, much less church leadership and the good people. Authentic worship is a call to sinners and poor and needy, without money, without hope, without goodness in themselves, without perfect theological training, to those who don't quite get God all the way, to the Bible dropouts. God has paid for you and earned a way in calling you to his presence, to to be engaged by him, to see him, to to eat with him, to to sing to him, to be held and, and kept by him, to be privileged to worship him. Authentic worship. It's for people like me and you who don't know how to act right or get right enough to really say we have the right to worship Jesus. Like Jesus went out from the inner courts to those who are on the outs, authentic worship is a handout of God's worth to those who have been made to feel and believe they are worthless to worship. What can we say to that? Come on in. Come and behold and hear about the Lord, all you who are broken and heavy with all sorts of sins and mess and confusion and problems and mistakes and and dumb things you have done and, and even your unsureness about God and whether he would like somebody like you. Even those not sure God can be trusted right now. Come without all the right stuff and all the righteousness because in worship you will realize that all the right stuff and all the righteousness is his and him to share and give to you. Worship is not about you bringing enough to receive, but about receiving from God more than you could ever give or bring for yourself. To come with deficit and leave with abundance. To come filled with ourselves and leave with a hunger for God. Come in with your record and your ways and your junk and your happiness and joy and pleasure. Even the good things that have happened. And for those who have known the love and grace of God all week long. Who've trusted the Lord well this week. And just love them. We just want to say thank you God. Bring it all to worship. Let the emotions come out. Let the lack of emotions too lay it all down, all you people. God is worth it, and because of him, so are you. But the high priest recognized a problem with something so beautiful. Look at verse 14 and 15 again. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things, I love that, wonderful things he did, and the children crying out of the temple, Hosanna to the highest, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, yes. I'll just stop there. You know what the problem is? With these priests to sing? The don't know how to act irreverent folks will come in to the inner courts. Possibly, Jesus, if you keep doing this. With Jesus at the center of our worship, let me tell y'all something. Worship with people like y'all is and will be a messy and unsure and uncomfortable to all affair where there's always something and someone to complain about. With all sorts of messed up people, 
Because how and who he calls people, everybody, which is a mess. Sometimes you don't want to be with everybody. The other day I was at Target, and this man was in there. I don't know who that dude is. He rides one of these real, I don't know, artistic bikes or something. I don't know. Walking around in his biking equipment and Target, sweating, showing off like he's the man with the bike. And I was irritated. I got the problem. My man just doing his thing. But I'm like, Kelly, I just wish he weren't here. (laughs) I said it like five times. I just wish he wasn't right now. That's church. That's worship. Jesus brings the people you look around and say, I just wish they weren't right now. Or weren't here. Can you just go somewhere? And the leaders back then were wondering, Jesus, do you see what kind of out-of-control mess you are causing with your call to worship? If you knock over tables, people will come to God without an acceptable sacrifice. Have you thought about that, Jesus? And if you let these lame and blind people all up in here, it's going to make God look like a God of losers. And it's going to make others uncomfortable. They can't contribute well enough. And these Children are way too loud and they don't understand well enough the fine points of church behavior. Don't ask them to worship and they ask them this question later. You don't have it in your bulletin passage. By what authority do you do these things? By what authority do you have to mess up our good and perfect and nice worship? Jesus answers. Do you hear what these children are saying? And they asked Jesus, Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? In other words, they are saying these kids are so theologically unchecked, they are being blasphemous. Leaders are like, you are calling for a worship mess. Who's going to fix these people whose lives are in disorder, coming into an order of worship? Who has the right to cause these to worship? And who will take responsibility to fix all the people that you have coming and called unworthy before God? And Jesus answers both questions. Not directly, of course. He likes to keep the critics out of their heads and in their hearts, right? So he says this in verse 16. Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. Understand that by using the term son of David in verse 15, the children, the kids calling Jesus, are calling Jesus the Messiah in part. That the coming of God in the flesh in their praise. And leaders are like in their worship, they are turning to you to make them free. They're turning to you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, and... And by saying that, Jesus is saying they worship me and therefore are being permitted in as faulty because I am God come in person to give worth to God, to, of God to people. They worship me because I am the worship of God made flesh, made attainable and touchable. I am God sent to make broken worship right and make sinful broken worshipers righteous. And according to the praise ordained by God for these children to declare in this moment, I have the power and presence and make and declare these little children's worship more authentic than yours. Then the lame 
and the blind he's healing, who were not usually included and comfortable coming into worship. Back then, people believed that you were sick and ill because of some sin, and you could not work, and so you would stand outside the gates to the temple and beg, and you might not have enough money to get an acceptable sacrifice, or may not feel like you have enough to go before the Lord, or the price gouging was so bad, you couldn't afford to worship God. By healing these people, Outside the gate and turning the tables, Jesus saying, you don't need a so-called acceptable sacrifice anymore to be an authentic worshiper. Why? Because I will be and am the acceptable sacrifice for all who are unacceptable to worship. See, Jesus has come to take away the shame and fear and edit our stories with his forgiveness so we no longer come before the Lord in fear and shame, but confidence that God himself and Jesus loves and accepts us. Broken and doing okay, sad or filled with God's joy, living like hell or aiming for heaven, you are authenticated worshipers because and if Jesus died to be your acceptable sacrifice. Jesus healed. He has made a way. He's paid your way. He's paved the way. And when the kids say, Hosanna, you know, when they say, they didn't say Hosanna there, but when they say, the the king of David, they do Hosanna to the son of David. They're saying praise to the king. Do you understand what this means? One who will knock down anything and defeat anything that is in the way of his people being his people and being loved by God. There is there's this, here he comes, the commander in chief. Here he comes, God. God's will in the flesh to us to lead the way to the Lord. Let me agree with the elders who opposed Jesus that day. When it comes to worshiping God, there's some rough and confusing terrain ahead. All kinds of things will challenge you and me about our lives and our God and the worship service. We may feel guilt and shame and see our lameness and blindness in a whole new way. We'll feel far from God and even almost guaranteed to not like everything about any worship service we go to. The music, the way the pastor is dressed, they too white or they too black. Oh, they too charismatic. Oh, they too uptight. Know this. If Jesus is at the center and leader of any worship, he is powerful to lead us through the terrain and to God. When I was a pastor in Baltimore, I used to try to connect with the, you know, the kingpins and the drug dealers and all that. You know, I grew up in the suburbs and all. (laughs) You know how you know you grew up in the suburbs? It ain't the single-digit number, Kelly. There's no corners in the suburbs. In my suburbs, it it was like a round circle. It was like a curve. There's no corner. Ain't no place to stand. (laughs) You had to keep riding your bike. The suburbs is designed for you to keep walking. You ever notice that? It ain't no, like, here's a corner. You can, you can stand in a the corner. There's a boundary. And the suburbs, is a curve. Like, they just make you want to gotta keep going. <laughs> ain't no stoop to sit on. Ain't no steps. Even the sidewalk's got this little curve to it. You can't even sit down. <laughs> 
Ain't no loitering in the suburbs because ain't no place to loiter. You need a corner. I went out on the corner, chilling, looking around. What's up, man? What's, what's... And the people just look at me with this blank face like, you don't want nothing. You ain't selling nothing. You don't want nothing. What you doing? I was a crazy pastor. I couldn't get in. I didn't know them. You know how I got in? A little bit. I made friends with a son of a local prostitute, nine-year-old Chris. Told you all this before. Giving out, what's that thing? The ice pops from my back door. I'd show up, kids would be running. Pastor Brown, Pastor, 10 of them. 20 sometimes. I couldn't even drive my car through. Kids be running. I don't know if they want the ice pops or they wanted me, Kelly. They really wanted you. Nah, they wanted the ice pops. Well, maybe they wanted us. They'd come in and sleep and hang out. Pastor Brown, look at me on my bike. It was great. I, I kind of miss those guys. They, they grown now. Lord, have mercy. The way I got in, those kids made me valid to the drug dealers, an element in the street who were their family, whom they were acquainted with. We're not of the God element enough to actually come in communion with God. He had to send his son for us to be acquainted with and for him to be acquainted with our grief so that he could bring us into worship with a God we're alienated from. We cannot dare approach God. We are not put together enough. We are aliens to his goodness and righteousness. And we try too hard. We want to do good things for him, but we over and underdo it. We are condemned and feel ridiculous and stupid. But the son of David, God come in the flesh, has come to cover our sins, our lameness, our brokenness, our blindness, just like the people who were permitted. Our, our childlike praise that we don't all know the theological ins and outs of and we sing songs up here and we're not completely in and out but Jesus takes it and he is the fullness of truth and when we have him we worship and our worship is authentic it's the grace of God for you and me in Christ.